This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour, whether you're listening on the air or the 77 WABC mobile app. And thank you for everybody listening to live stream on WABCradio.com. It is day 11 of the Biden presidency, and we are 276 days away from the 2021 general election. The World Series of New Jersey politics, the election of a governor, and also important in 276 days, the race for mayor of Jersey City. And I'm going to explain why that's important, because I've been looking forward to today's show for a few weeks now. Joining me at 515 is Steve Fulop. He is the mayor of Jersey City. It's the second largest city in New Jersey. It could wind up being the largest city in the state after the U.S. Census is certified. And and politics in Jersey City is is storied. It is fabled. It is legendary. There's there's very few places like Hudson County, and, and I say that as, a, as an Essex County native. Uh, mayor Fulop will be my only guest today, and I'm going to tell you why you should be glued to the radio for this interview. Uh, now, I know Mayor Fulop. Uh, we used to have a nice relationship. Uh, frankly, I, I rooted for him to win when he ran the first time eight years ago. Uh, we, weren't, we weren't friends, but we got along really well, and, and I liked him. But since then, well, I mean, things have not been so great between us. For, uh, for the last couple of years, we've, we've fought a lot on, on Twitter. Both of us have been mean, but, but we're both grown-ups, and, and that's all part of the deal. Uh, I have not spoken to Mayor Fulop since July of 2013. I mean, we've traded a, a few direct messages online recently, but that's it. So today... Right here on 77 WABC, this will be our first actual conversation in seven and a half years. And, and let me say this, I haven't uh, been exactly an angelic player in all this. Uh, for those of you who are laser focused on New Jersey politics, I, I probably shouldn't be talking about lasers in politics this week. For But for those of you who play pay careful attention you know that i used to work for chris christie and i i did so as one of the people at the port authority and in you know in the governor's office involved in the traffic jam at the george washington bridge and so my dealings with mayor fulop were a result of his relationship and mine with chris christie and and the radio silence that accompanied it and i think this will be a great interview i don't i don't really know where where it's going to go, how it's going to shake out, but I, I can't imagine that you are going to want to miss it. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. So the major news story in New Jersey, after COVID, of course, is a developing scandal at the state's only prison for women. Uh, I'll give the Star-Ledger some credit here for breaking this story. Uh, uh, for, for a newspaper that's on a rapid decline, that was it was a rare but strong display of journalism. I'm just just hoping their editorial page doesn't doesn't move what the reporters did backwards. But there's a criminal probe of corrections officers at the Edna Mahan Correctional Facility. Uh, Thirty officers and supervisors 
were put on administrative leave for severely beating incarcerated prisoners. And in some cases, we're talking about sexual assault. Uh, one woman was beaten so badly, the report is that she is now confined to a wheelchair. And this week, every one of the 25 Democrats in the New Jersey State Senate called on the State Commissioner of Corrections. His name is Marcus Hicks. Uh, they called upon Commissioner Hicks to resign. Uh, it's, a, it's a bold move. All 25, the entire Democratic Senate caucus in a state that has a Democratic governor and a Democratic-controlled legislature. Uh, Assembly Speaker Craig Coughlin, also a Democrat, uh, said that the Judiciary Committee would hold hearings to find out what happened. Uh, this isn't good for Governor Murphy. It's, it's a governor who's been known to say that the buck stops with, stops with him. Uh, Murphy has launched an independent probe. He hired a, a former federal prosecutor to conduct the investigation. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why the state attorney general's office isn't doing it, maybe because in New Jersey the attorney general acts as the lawyer for the Department of Corrections. I, I really don't know. And and I don't know if the U.S. attorney is in this or not. They they don't comment on whether they've launched investigations, and, and they shouldn't. But but this, this isn't the first problem with the Corrections Department on Marcus Hicks's watch. The state has recently entered into a I think it was a tentative settlement with the Department of Justice over sexual assaults and other civil rights violations at this woman's prison. And, and now, I mean, mark my words on this, this probe is not going in a good direction uh, for a governor who's running for re-election. It is clearly you know, just baffled why the governor is standing by Hicks, who, by the way, was a Chris Christie holdover. Uh, maybe Phil Murphy's Murphy is a, a better person than the last governor. I mean, you'd, you'd almost have to be, right? But, but maybe he's not throwing everyone under the bus without knowing all the facts. But this is going to be a political problem for Murphy in his re-election year. Uh, the Republican candidate for governor, Jack Cittarelli, has called for Hicks's resignation. Cittarelli uh, called the, what, what he said was the systemic abuse of female inmates. He called it horrifying. Uh, yesterday, the governor said he wouldn't do anything yet. He won't fire Hicks. He won't suspend Hicks. He he won't take any position until the independent investigation is is over. Uh, we don't know if Hicks knew what was going on in the prison he was running. Uh, but but there's this is going to be a hard thing for Marcus Hicks to navigate. If if he didn't know, then it's going to be fair to ask why didn't he know? Uh, and if he if he did know, well, this is this is just going to you know become become a a huge huge issue. Uh, I, I should say it's, it's not likely that Murphy knew about this. No one is suggesting he did, uh, but nobody's standing by Murphy on this one. None of the Democrats, none of the Republicans. This is the kind of scandal that can spiral out of control quickly. Uh, I'm not sure how long he's going to be able to punt on this. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. And I also want to talk about a state Senate race in Bergen County that has the potential to be a real barn burner. Uh, the incumbent is Jerry Cardinal. This is his 40th year in the New Jersey Senate. Uh, 
Uh, nobody in New Jersey history has been there longer. Uh, he's an institution in the state. He's, he was a conservative voice in the legislature at a time when the Republican Party was heavily dominated by moderates. But Cardinal is 86. I spoke to him twice this week. Uh, he is intent on running for re-election, and he, he confirmed this morning on a Zoom call with local officials that he's planning to run. Uh, but his bid to stay in the Senate until he's nearly 90 is facing a few obstacles. Assemblywoman Holly Shapizzi, she is 49, she's a five-term legislator, and she is looking like she's challenging him for the Republican nomination. They're, they're both strong vote-getters. Today, eight Republican mayors from Bergen County went public with an endorsement of Shapizzi. The statement uh, that they issued was was hugely deferential to Senator Cardinal, but the mayors made a plea for him to retire. Uh, they said, and, and I'm, I'm going to read this to you, I want to, I want to get this right, they said that, that they do not want to show any disrespect toward you or your service. This is what they said to the senator. They called him a tremendous public servant. Uh, but they said it was time for a change. And I'm going to read this part exactly. With Democrats controlling everything in Trenton and Washington, D.C., we must reflect on how we got to this point and who is best positioned to lead our party and community in the years ahead. So Shapizzi is going to have to take a big risk here. She can't run for the Senate and for re-election to her assembly seat uh, simultaneously, so she's going to have to make a choice. Does she want to be a senator? Does she want to take a risk and run against an extraordinarily popular incumbent? Uh, or or does she want to go back to the, the state assembly and wait for another chance? Right now, it looks like the Senate. And this fight is going to go to the Bergen County Republican Convention in March, maybe to a primary in June, where I mean, New Jersey might experience something they're, they're less than familiar with, which is actually allowing voters to pick the nominee and, and not party leaders. Uh, this is David Wildson, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. And I, I want to quickly also talk about political campaigns, risks, rewards of running against someone uh, based on their age, uh, you know, I can go back in time. I could look at, at different races where this has come up, but uh, it's a it's a tricky thing to navigate. New Jersey's had some of these campaigns. In 1982, Frank Lautenberg, he was 58 then, and he was running against Millis and Fenwick for the U.S. Senate. She was 72, and Lautenberg thought she was just too old to begin a Senate career, and 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 he said so. So. 20 years later, when Lautenberg was 78, wanted to come back to the Senate, he didn't think 78 was too old. And six years after that, when he was 84, uh, he wanted to stay until he was 90. But uh, his opponents danced around the age issue. They never really made it into a campaign. Uh, I'm David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Up next, my one-on-one -on -one interview with New Jersey City Mayor Steve Fulop. Uh, maybe gloves off for both of us. I don't know, but, but we'll see. You don't want to miss it either way. Next on 77 WABC. Time is running out, New Jersey. Open enrollment for health insurance ends January 31st. 
Visit getcovered.nj.gov to compare plans and see if you qualify for financial help. Our local experts can guide you through the enrollment process. This is your chance to find quality, affordable health insurance you can count on. Visit getcovered.nj.gov to get started before it's too late. You must enroll by January 31st for health coverage. Don't delay. Enroll today. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. Pravda Records presents okay. The Lilacs with their first new recording in 25 years. The Lilacs and Door, four blockbuster hits, Monica. Monica, and wherever CDs are sold. Pure Chicago Power Pop. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. Steve Phillips, a two-term mayor of Jersey City for, for a while. A few years ago, it looked like he might be on his way to becoming governor of New Jersey. Now he is running for a third term as mayor. Mayor, welcome. How are you? Hey, good. Good to talk to you. It's been a long time. It really has. And what we, just get right into it. I mean, you and I haven't spoken in seven and a half years. This is yeah, this is the first time. Right. And and, yeah, and uh, we discussed actually this actually being the first time. No pre-recorded, no test combo. This is it. So, so are you as nervous as I am about this? No, I, I'm good with everything <laughs> that we're going to talk about. Okay. <laughs> So, so you and I had a you and I had a decent relationship. Uh, you know, then we didn't, and and we've we've said some vicious things about each other on Twitter. And and you know, I don't I don't expect us necessarily to finish the show by singing "Kumbaya" together. But but you know, look, fighting is incredibly exhausting, especially on social media. So I'm I'm glad we have a chance to talk. Yeah, I I, I want to echo that sentiment. I'm going to say that you know, at least from my standpoint, I think time. Uh, changes your perspective. You grow a little older. Um, you know, grudges that you have don't seem that serious. Um, so yes, I think it's a good thing, and, and we'll see where the conversation goes. And you know, we'll maybe we'll we'll both adopt John Bramnick's rule of of you know civility in politics. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Sure, uh, sounds good. So let's talk about our history. Uh, you know, it's it, it's out there. So there's nothing new. There's no news that that we're going to break that. That, that we had some history, but uh, and and by the way, you've agreed to stay on with me for for a while for two segments. So so we will get to. I want to do want to talk to you about Jersey City and what's going on there now and what you're doing as mayor. But so I met you. I guess it was around 2012. I was at the Port Authority working for 
Chris Christie, you were a city councilman with a, a client doing business at the port, and, and I, I thought we had a I thought we had a good working relationship. Yes. Well, let, let me just let me let me correct one thing. So, I, I was actually working for the company there, and the company was in with Staps. I think that's public, and um, I was an employee there, and and I met you. Just correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was actually Bill Stepien that connected us back then. It was. Okay. It was. And, and, you know, uh, I mean, I think you had, and and by the way, that, that deal there, I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the deal. I think, I think together we saved a lot of jobs. Yes. I would say that's an accurate assessment and it was a long road to get there, but yes, it was, it was hugely complicated, but you know, then again, everything is right. I mean, it's hard hard to find easy things in this business. Uh, at that point, I think you had a, you had a good relationship with Chris Christie, you know, certainly, 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 you had a better one than Mayor Healy did with him. And, and look, I've said, you know, that I willingly I drank the Kool-Aid of someone that I've known since high school. Uh, I mean, are we on some common ground here about how I, how I now feel about the, the former governor? Yeah, I mean, look, the, I, I thought as a councilman, um, you know, he was effective and the rules were very clear with him on who he and how he would operate in certain instances. So for me, there were some things that we were trying to do with the Board of Education, changing leadership, and we needed help at the state. And uh, he was always willing to help on that front. Now, now we aligned on some of the ed reform issues on that front, but he was very, very helpful. So we did have a good relationship. And and let me and and by the way and and I did too so I guess that that might be that, yeah. that might be a different conversation about 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 Christopher but but we can maybe do that another time uh, so let's go to 2013 you were elected mayor uh, I remember Christy called you that night you were elected to congratulate you I think you and I texted the next day and then the yeah. next thing I know you know I get the radio silence order uh, I was told not to talk to you, nothing for full up at the Port Authority, nothing for full up in, in New Jersey. That, that's the last time you and I spoke was right before that. Uh, so yeah. I, I never asked you what happened between you and Chris Christie. Yeah, he actually spoke at my inauguration. Um, so uh, I'll take a step back and uh, so that people kind of understand a little bit how that whole thing unfolded into 2013. Um, you know, when I was working at FAPS, we had a major restructuring, and uh, they were at risk of going out of business. It would have cost hundreds of jobs in a really, really good company. And, um, you know, at the time, I only knew Bill Stepping at the governor's office. He connected me to you saying, you know, you should meet this guy, David Wildstein. He's very effective. Uh, Bill Baroni, and uh, maybe they can help out with the problem through there. And, you know, you and I and the entire team on New York and New Jersey went through months of negotiations, and it was like a multi-million dollar deal. And uh, we eventually came to a resolution that worked for everybody. And, you know, whether it was in the course of conversations with um, you or Bill Stepien or uh, just an assumption, I think that the governor was very clear in his thinking that um, I owed him an endorsement. And um, I think that when I didn't move forward on that is when it started to tighten around me. And that's kind of how I saw the whole conversation. You might see it differently in hindsight, but that's kind of how I felt it kind of happening. And, you know, the pressure was coming right after I got elected and it wasn't something I was interested in. And it just kind of ended up in this place that, you know, spinning in a direction where it, it, it hurt a lot of relationships. 
No, and and I understand that, but it, I mean, I was, I have to tell you, I was, I was also under under the impression that a, a full up endorsement of Christie's reelection was was a possibility. I mean, it was. Did you ever actually consider it? Did he ever actually ask you for it? Um, it was never. No, the governor never asked me for it. I, I, I think it was the people around him in his office. And, you know, maybe in hindsight, I should have been more decisive in just saying, no, you know, it's not a possibility. But, you know, the way I was looking at what I was trying to do from the employer standpoint was I really felt like I was on the side of the angels. And I felt like I was getting a very, very tough time because of the governor's relationships there. And so from my standpoint, you know, maybe I didn't go down the road of politics as much as I should have. I looked back and I said, you know what, I felt like I was on the side of the angels from the business side, and that wasn't necessary. And, and I think that that might have created the dynamic that ultimately hurt me down the road. You know, but, but maybe I should have been more clear on it, David. Maybe, maybe, you know, and, and, and look, I, you know, as I said earlier, I'm, you know, I'm not without fault in, in, in some of these things also. I haven't spoken to Christie since November 2013, so almost as long as, as you, and, 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 and I don't expect to, uh, and I'm not really interested in it. But do you have a relationship with now? Do you, do you speak to him no. occasionally? No, 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 no. We have, we have no relationship. I haven't spoken to him since the same time frame that you have. So um, it's been years, and, and I don't see myself getting involved in this presidential campaign or anything <laughs> like that. So, yeah, and, 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 where the relationship is today. Yeah, yeah, well, you and I have some common ground on that then. But uh, you have to expect me to ask this. Now, you, I thought yeah. you were on your way to becoming governor, and you, you yeah. suddenly dropped out of the race. Uh, why didn't you run for something that, that you probably could have won? Do you think I could have won that, David? I, mean, I do. I do. You, you have a different perspective, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I've heard everything from, you know, uh, criminal issues to somebody has to be taped on something to health issues, and none of it was true. I mean, there was more simple reason, but I, I'd like to understand if you actually thought that I could have won that. Your way to getting organization lines, and I thought it was going to be a three-way race. Yep. And and you know right. we you know it's 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 probably important to remember people that that weren't following it as closely then that are listening. Phil Phil Murphy was you know was was on a good day the third guy in a in a in a in a fairly large field. Yeah. So so I guess my calculation was a little bit different, and I think a lot of people thought that it was a three person race. Uh, front runners were probably Steve Sweeney and I, and uh, Phil Murphy running third. I thought at the end of the day that Steve Sweeney was not going to run for governor. I thought that he might have thought he was going to run for governor, but um, his network around him would have had a conversation and that would have changed where he goes. And, and the reason being is it was just really tough if he took a step back for him to win a primary, right? He had problems in the LGBT community and the environmental community, um, in some of the more progressive communities, and then some of the northern counties. So I thought at the end of the day, he didn't run. And where would his support have shifted? His support would have shifted to um, to Phil Murphy because I clearly collided with some of those South Jersey people um, before it was a good thing or an in thing to collide with them, I guess. And uh, um, so I thought that Phil Murphy would have galvanized some support. And I thought that my support was fairly soft. Now, all those things factored in. Um, to me making a decision saying I really love my job as Jersey City mayor. And if I had to give that up, I wasn't willing to take that risk. And it was just simple like that. And so I had a conversation with Phil Murphy. I didn't really know him. It was me, uh, Brendan, Phil Murphy, 
and my chief of staff at the time, um, he was as surprised as anybody that I told him that I wasn't going to run and that I would endorse him. Um, things moved very, very fast the next three or four days, and it was really important to me that um, that it was effective endorsement, meaning that shifts alignments throughout the state, and so that's why the surprise factor was important, and, and that's kind of how it happened. There wasn't anything more to it than that, less than that. That's kind of the whole story. Yeah, and I was, you know, as 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 you know, you know, pre- preparing uh, preparing to testify at that trial around that time so I, w- I was not in the mix of all that but that was that was just my my perception I'm, I'm talking to Mayor Steve Fulop of, of Jersey City and, and and before I go to a break mayor I just, if you win re-election uh, uh, if, if that happens and you serve at your your third term you'd be the longest serving mayor of Jersey City since I, I think Frank Haig but is governor in 2025 something that you're considering now um, I don't know like you know what I think uh I have gray hair now, and I'm a, I'm a little bit older, and uh, it's not really something I'm thinking about, to be honest with you, David. There was a point in my life where, you know, I thought more about, you know, titles, and today I'm just really trying to do a good job. I think anybody who knows me would tell you that, you know, I've shifted a lot kind of, you know, how I approach this job in the last three or four years. And, you know, part of it is my brother passing, recognizing that you have limited amount of time. Part of it is some hardship on relationships that uh, I learned through the governor's race. And part of it is just loving your job. And, and I think that really my mindset has really changed. So I couldn't tell you that. I mean, I would never close the door. And that's probably going to end up being the takeaway of this. But it's not something that's a priority for me today. Okay. And this is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. I'm speaking with Steve Fulop, the mayor of Jersey City, and we'll keep going on this interview uh, after a short break. So please don't go anywhere. I always value books and films and good TV. But now, during a pandemic, I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes it's all on bookandfilmglobe.com and there are three rotten tomatoes certified reviewers so you know you're getting good advice check out book and film globe that's bookandfilmglobe.com school classic punk indie 80s 90s whatever if it's got passion and a backbeat i want to hear it and i want to know more about the artists who create it that's why i read rock and roll globe rock and roll globe.com features the sharpest takes about what's good and what's um not so good in music they call it real writing about real music it's not for woke 22 year olds It's just crisp, surprising insight into music of all kinds, interviews with performers, concise reviews of hot new records, a look back at that great album that changed everything. It's all on rockandrollglobe.com. Check out Rock and Roll Globe. That's rockandrollglobe.com. I could hardly wait. 
Time is running out, New Jersey. Open enrollment for health insurance ends January 31st. Visit getcovered.nj.gov to compare plans and see if you qualify for financial help. Our local experts can guide you through the enrollment process. This is your chance to find quality, affordable health insurance you can count on. Visit getcovered.nj.gov to get started before it's too late. You must enroll by January 31st for health coverage. Don't delay. Enroll today. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Back, it's David Wildstein, and I'm speaking with Jersey City Mayor Steve Fulop. Uh, Mayor, I, I want to ask you about some of your relationships in Hudson yeah. County. Yeah, uh, they're actually very strong, surprisingly, to a lot of people. But yes, I need to discuss. So, so you've, you've patched things up with Tom DeGees, Hudson County Executive? I mean, you... You know, and I, yeah. you, you and I, you and I went, you and I went at it a little bit a couple of years ago about about trying to 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 dump him. You know, but now his daughter's running on your ticket. So how how's that how's that worked? How's that happening? <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I mean, I don't need to explain to you that New Jersey is a is a complicated web of relationships. But at the end of the day, um, look, I've known Tom twenty years, and uh, I would say for. 18 or 17 of those 20 years, it's been a very good relationship. And, um, you know, that time two years ago uh, was clearly a strain on a relationship. It took a long time for me to rebuild that trust and relationship. I feel like we're in a good place now. Um, we don't agree on everything. I think we're more civil in how we approach it, particularly on my side. And, uh, you know, it's a good relationship today. And I'm thankful for that. And, and I'm going to keep it that way. So what about Brian Stack, and I, I think you know, I think Mayor Stack is probably one of the best local officials I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. How's uh, the rela- – you, you and he were on the same side of that DeGis argument. How's, how's your relationship with him now? I mean, the relationship is good, but he's complicated, as you know, um, and he's very focused on uh, Union City. I would say he's the best mayor in the state of New Jersey with regards to constituent services and just operating on that front. Um we don't talk every day, but I, I think it's a good relationship. We share a lot of resources with regards to government. Um, I, I think that Brian is less involved today or in the politics of the county, more focused on kind of just Union City, which is a good thing. But it's a good relationship. It's OK. No problem there. And will you support Brian Stack for reelection to the, the Senate? I know part of that district includes yeah. part of Jersey City. Yeah, and, and it's probably going to grow in the next uh, two years to be more of Jersey City. And, and Brian does a good job. He's my state senator where I live. Actually, he does a good job. I get mail from him probably twice a week. So uh, whether it's election or not election, just telling me about heating issues and rental issues. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see myself ever deviating from supporting Brian. And what about the United States Senator Bob Menendez? Uh, you, you and he have had... Had some conflict. Uh, he he thought you wanted to step into his his seat a couple of years ago. Uh, did did you vote for him in 2018 in the in the primary in the general? Did I vote for him? Yes. Yes, I did vote for him. Okay. Yes. 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 I voted for the Democrat in uh, in both situations. But let, let's take a step back there, and, and it's important to highlight that for again 20 years. Um, I've had a turbulent relationship for the most part with, you know, Congressman and then Senator Menendez. I mean, I ran against him. I was aligned with uh, Glenn Cunningham at the time. And, um, 
you know, I think a lot of the things around me wanting to run for his seat is a bunch of nonsense. You know, there's no reason to think that that was true. And there's no reason to think that what I did, if you believe it is true, is different than five, six, seven other people across the state. So you'd ask yourself, why is there a double standard? And I think that the reason is because the relationship between he and I is is strained it's been difficult and complicated for a long time. And I don't think it's as cut and dry as he was running for my seat, because if you believe that, you would say, then why doesn't the same rules apply to the other eight people that were thinking about that? So, yeah, I had no interest. I was about to expect a new baby. I wasn't going to Washington. My family's more important to me. That's just a bunch of nonsense. And, I mean, now, I mean, like Menendez, he's in a, I mean, a totally different stratosphere of anybody else in New Jersey. I mean, he's, he's chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations yeah. Committee. He's playing on a global stage. He's, he's talking to Tony Blinken every day. Uh, are you, do you, do you worry about poking the bear with him as you're running for re-election? Um, well, look, I, I'm not poking anybody. I mean, I didn't start this conversation in, I think, in 2018 when he walked out and he gave that quote and everybody assumed he was talking about me. Um, and I didn't start the conversation now either with regards to, you know, whether his son wants to run or doesn't want to run. Um, you know, from my standpoint, I'm just trying to do a good job. I'm running for reelection. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to defend my record, I think. And I think that the voters will see that our team has done a good job and that's it. So it's not like I've been poking him. It's not like I look for the fight. But again, if somebody is going to say something or attack me, I got to respond. I think that's the way that I got to approach it. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah, and he is. I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you he's, you know, he may be talking to world leaders every day, but but boy, from a nuts and bolts perspective, he is he is he is one sharp politician. Yes, yes, I would say he's uh, you know a cut above most, and uh, you know you meet a lot of people in New Jersey with varying degrees of skill sets, and 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 he's at the top. There's no question about that. So so let's talk about your reelection campaign. I mean, so far yeah. you have you have no opposition. And I, well, God, I can't even remember the last time. Uh, maybe it was, I mean, not even Frank Haig ran unopposed. I, I, I do not expect that I'm going to run unopposed. So I, I, I'm sure that somebody will surface. And um, I'm sure that it's going to be a tough race, as most races are. I'm going to spend money that I really don't want to spend. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm hopeful that the residents will see that, you know, they're willing to give me another four years. So, but so, I, I don't think I'm going to run unopposed, David. Yeah, well, nobody ever does, right? I mean, you don't, you know, you, you wait for that filing deadline and you, you know, you watch the clock, but there's, you know, there is, there, there is a point where, uh, where, where a, a serious opponent's gotta, gotta at some point come forward and, and say, I'm running. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, there's a couple potential on the horizon and, and we'll see how that all plays out. I mean, there's still a lot of time. So, you know, from my standpoint, you see, I'm, I'm, we're rolling out endorsements, we're rolling out support. We're sending a clear message that we, we are strong because we've done a good job and that people recognize that. And, uh, you know, I'm still as active as ever. And then, you know, that's all I could control. The rest of it is going to be what the opposition decides to do. And we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. So, Tell me about, I mean, Jersey City right now. What do you, you know, where, where, where do you think you're at after eight years? And, and, and where do you see the, the city going in the next four? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, my goal has always been for the city to be, you know, recognized in the conversations around the great mid-sized cities across the country. And, um, you know, we're not there yet, but I think we've done a lot of really, really good things. So um, 
I think from an accomplishment standpoint, you think about driving down crime. Um, we've accomplished that. We've restructured the police department in a meaningful way. Uh, our budget has been really really, you know, on solid footing with credit rating upgrades almost every year because we've restructured a lot of that. Uh, we've improved the nuts and bolts of, you know, government efficiency. And then we've done a lot on the environmental front, on the LGBTQ front, on the workers front. Um, you know, I'm really proud of that. So I, I think the city is going in the right direction. It's a lot of projects that we started that I'd like to finish. And uh, I think this will end up being the term that I'm able to do that and then hand it off to somebody else. So you're, are you saying three terms and out, not... Well, because I, mean, I remember originally it was originally it was it was two terms. You know, people yeah. have a have a way of extending. So you're, you're saying 2025, you're ruling that out, or I, look, I, I would have, I would have a hard time thinking that beyond 2025 that I'm running again. I think that I think the residents of Jersey City are going to let me finish what I started, and then at that point, I think that it would be worthwhile to probably hand it off. I mean, I mean, who knows? The next couple of years that can change, but. My mindset today is I got a young family. You know, you give 20 years to public service and then you move on to something else. But, um, you know, where I am today is that I'm thinking that I want to finish what I started. And that's really what I'm saying to the residents. You know, had COVID not happened, um, we would have been further along with some of the big projects that I started. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see them through. Okay. And I'm, I'm speaking to Jersey City Mayor Steve Fulop. You, you, you just mentioned COVID, and obviously that has yep. that has dominated the lives of, of everybody for, for nearly a year. Uh, you, you've lost, you know, sadly, a lot of people in Jersey City, and a lot of people have, have dealt with that. Uh, where do you see Jersey City's comeback from COVID in terms of businesses that have shut down or people that have lost their jobs or, or you know, kids in school? I mean, I would say our biggest challenge right now is to answer that question is kind of clarity around the vaccination program. And, and you know, we're struggling with that because of the allocations from the state and the state would say it's the federal government. But, you know, put that in perspective, last week, the state allocated for Jersey City a total of 500 doses. I mean, there's not much we can do with 500 doses. And then two weeks ago, they gave us 300 doses. So, you know, it's really, really hard to move the needle and talk about you know, a successful local economy until you have clarity around kind of mass vaccination programs. So um, I think the city's in a good position, generally speaking, relative to other cities. But to have a clear picture of where we're headed, you really need, you know, more help on the vaccine front. Sure. And before time runs out, you you and I, I I want to go back to something that you and I talked about many many yep. years ago we we talked about frank haig's old desk your your predecessor's desk which for for those not familiar had uh the way it's been described to me i've never seen it a, a trick draw where the, with the person sitting opposite the mayor he would trigger the draw it would come out and they would put you know an envelope maybe with cash i don't know what the you know we'll, we'll never know what, right. what really happened and and he would pull it back in and the person person would leave where's that desk now so the desk was in my office till uh, 2013 when I got elected. I took it out. Um, it's in the rotunda. So if you go towards the uh, city council chambers, it's near there as kind of a relic of the past with a sign on it that explains kind of what it is. So, you know, it's part of Jersey City's history. But, you know, I, I didn't think it sent the right message keeping it in my office. So it's out. But it's still there. You can come by and see it. I, I, I would like to someday. I really, I, I really would. Because you know, I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm a history nerd, so I, I, I would yeah. like to see it. So, 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 Mayor, you, you, 
you know, we we talked about Frank Hagen. He came up a couple times, which which isn't surprising. Yeah. And I I brought him up, but but you you're dealing with a city that's that's had you know a a lot of issues in the past in terms of of the lore of its politics, the history of its politics. Do you do you feel that? New people moving into the city. You've had a lot of development. You've got a lot of young people moving in the city. Do do they even know about those no. old stories? No, no. It's a, it's a very very different mindset. But you know, the the one thing about Jersey City, which was like real different than um, even I appreciated or anything that I've ever experienced, is that when I would travel around the state looking at that governor's run. Um, anywhere you go, there are Jersey City people that were born at Margaret Hague. And so the reach is very, very, very far. And, and I probably didn't uh, appreciate that fully. It's kind of like a good asset, the fact that Jersey City is Jersey City. But I don't think the people today understand all that history and that political history and how special it is. You know, they view it as a special city for a lot of different reasons, but definitely not the history that we're discussing here. Okay. Well, Mayor, still follow up. Thank you. I mean, I'm good to talk to you after seven and a half good years. Thank you. Well. Thank yeah. you for coming on, and uh, and I hope we'll have a chance to get speaking again soon. Yeah, thank you, David. Good talking thank to you. Thank you so much. This is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. Pravda Records presents The Lilacs with their first new recording in 25 years. The Lilacs and Door. Four blockbuster hits. Monica. Monica, where are you? Monica, do you think of it all? Shadow of Doubt. Lost in the shadow of doubt. Nowhere to be found. I saw her first. Blue Spark. Get the Lilacs and Door on all streaming platforms and wherever CDs are sold. Pure Chicago Power Pop. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe and some other big news in New Jersey this week. Uh, Kip Bateman announced that he would not seek a re-election to a fifth term in the New Jersey State Senate. He represents Central Jersey. He's got Somerset and Hunterdon, uh, parts of Middlesex, uh, Mercer counties, uh, and he is he is uh, part of the fabric of New Jersey politics. It is going to be hard to believe uh, that there's going to be New Jersey politics without a Bateman uh, in it and running for office. The senator's father was Raymond Bateman. He was, you know, for those of you who are, you know, my age or around my age, you, you, you probably will remember him. He was, he was elected to the state Senate in 1958, to the state Senate in 1967. He was the Senate president. He was the Republican nominee for governor in 1977. And in fact, for a while, it was hard to imagine that he wouldn't win. Uh, the incumbent governor was Brendan Byrne. Byrne had created, uh, for the first time, a New Jersey state income tax. He was incredibly unpopular in the state at the time. Uh, but as they say, 
in New Jersey, circumstances change. And Brendan Byrne uh, pulled out that election. It was, you know, it was it was a slow move upward, and it was uh, it was successful. Uh, Kip Bateman was probably about a year old when his dad first run public one public office so so he's never really known a, a life outside of politics and, and the, the senator and I talked a little bit about that this week that this is this has been sort of who he is and what has defined his life and so of course he followed in his father's footsteps he he ran for local office when he was 26. He became a mayor when he was 29. He served on the Somerset County Board of Freeholders for six years. Uh, he was 36. He won a seat in the state assembly. He stayed there for 14 years. Uh, and then he won a state Senate seat in 2007. So now at the age of 63, he is retiring. Uh, after 28 years in the legislature, and 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 here he is, you know, 10 years later, he survived 2011 redistricting, uh, a, a new map that has helped his district become hugely favorable to Democrats. Joe Biden won Republican Senator Kip Bateman's district by 23 points. He won it was 61 percent, and the district has has two Democratic assemblymen. They are both interested in running one of them uh, andrews wicker already announced uh bateman was going to have a tough race if he wanted to keep his seat he he only won by 574 votes last time so so good for senator bateman to go out on his own terms uh talk radio wabc 77 listeners we have also some exciting news uh, uh i want to thank you so much for always making the new jersey globe power hour part of your saturday afternoons and starting next Saturday, February 6th, you can listen to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour one hour earlier. Uh, join us at our new time. Saturday is at 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern, uh, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is David Wildstein. I am the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You've been listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC.